Hello there, old chum. Hello, Victoria. How are you? Emphasis on the old. <laughs> I'm exceptionally old. We all know that. We're quite jolly because it's summer. Yay. And instead, hello, welcome, everybody. And instead of giving you silence during our summer while we take our breaks, we came back to you, didn't we? Back for good. Want you back for good. Backstreet Boys. <laughs> oh, no, that's the kind of thing my parents would say. That's one of their kind of jokes. <laughs> you slipped that one up the back passage. <laughs> oh, that was rather unexpected. <laughs> Which, as said by every um, woman ever. Every actress, actress to every bishop. Yes, quite. Hmm. <laughs> and and exactly said been? by Amber Heard to Johnny Depp. <gasps> we've got Amber. We've got blasts from the past to keep you happy. We're not just scraping together old material just to pad our podcast out. <laughs> no, we would never do that, would we? No. I'm looking at a photo. We love you. I'm looking at a photo of Johnny Depp in those sort of tinted glasses that, in my mind, are only ever worn by paedophiles. Thank you very much for... Okay, welcome, everybody. Our podcast is full of scientifically-based sense, just like that. (laughs) And welcome aboard one and all, because we know that most of the people who return love scientific facts like that. They do. (laughs) Evidence-based. Absolutely. We're following the science, aren't we? Well, just like every other fucking true crime podcast, they're as factual as us. Yeah, it's all crap. (laughs) <laughs> what a load of shit. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> Although, what do we not care about this week? So we're doing, we're doing, um, there've been some developments on a couple of cases, just tiny, weeny, amusing, slightly amusing ones. Um, one is Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and Nick. Not Willis Wallace. And Nick, not Willis Wallace. Blast from the past, who apparently really enjoyed being with us. <laughs> Until he he was really worried that he got the shits up him that he was going to get sued by NGN as well. Has he been, but that he never happened. Been sued, has he? No, he just got scared, so we had to add a little. We didn't mean it on the front of our podcast. We never mean it, though, do we? Anyway, I mean, we we never mean anything, do we? No, who cares? Exactly, who cares? And what are we doing here? Oh, yes, hold on. I'll intro you to the other thing. We've got a, a little run over to the kind of the kernel, the nub of Mark Williams Thomas' stance on Madeleine McCann case and some developments on that. Absolutely. But first, we will talk about Johnny Depp. So, I mean, this is, this is a, the, 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 the shitty gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? This is that. Hang on. Who are we? <sighs> I don't know who we're talking of another shitty gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> okay. Um, this is, oh, should we do like they do on BBC Breakfast? Go on, this then. is Bernando. And you're Victoria Mitzi. Is that what they do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <God>. <laughs> that's, I always yeah, wanted to do that. It's shit. I haven't watched BBC Breakfast for years. I mean, I, I always think it's a good show, but I haven't watched it for ages. Well, you don't sit there and go, oh, oh yeah, that that was in the day when oh, oh my old friend Naga. Not as the, not as good as the good old days. That's what I say. I sit there <laughs> grumbling about it. I tell you what, I'm bored of though. I'm utterly fucking bored of Olympics and Paralympics. I'm, Thank you. I don't mind the actual sport. I mean, okay, let's see somebody you know um, run a race with a tin leg or whatever it is. I don't mind that. But what really? <gasps> ben, oh, what's wrong with that? You allowed to say that? Well, I like. I, I sound quite like watching the Olympic. The Bionic, event yeah, and the Paralympic yeah. events. I don't mind that at all. But what 
really yeah. fucks me off now is every single okay. time Brit fucking takes part, even if they come in last, you know, yeah. you have to go to their fucking family. And I don't give a fuck about their family. Although I might be wrong, but there was something on my local BBC. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> which, um, which had... But she's uh, the, not <laughs> which had um, the Afghan entries just make it into some event or other and they came last but they were really nice about going oh we're so pleased they made it <laughs> well that's okay but that's no, very nice the bit I'm talking about is where every single time a Brit comes in I don't know eighth or something you you, you cross to their family they're always in some fucking house they're all, every fucking house they're always in the fucking East Midlands they're always in Leicester or Mansfield or Wood um, or um, workshop or somewhere like that. They but obviously grow them good there. They apparently do. So and they're all sitting there, and it's always it's always some shitty kind of internet Zoom type link, and they they've always got a, a union flag sort of you know blue tacked up on the wall behind the shitty sofa, and I'm just like, oh, I don't I don't care. Okay, I'm sure they're really proud of their loved one. I'm sure they're really excited. I'm sure they all got up at three o'clock in the morning to watch them not win the race. But honestly, I don't give a fuck. I just want to see another race. I'd rather watch a race that no Brits are taking part in, that's actually a sporting event, than, you know, waste about four or five... I'd like non-sporting events, if you please. I'd like the real Paralympics, when everyone has far too much to smoke beforehand, (laughs) and they'll get really paranoid and cling onto trees. How about the Parachute Olympics, where ten people have to jump out of a plane, but only nine of them have got parachutes? See who's the first to hit the ground. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the 50 meter nose pick. <laughs> Tiddlywinks, bring it back. Well, uh, strictly speaking, Tiddlywinks is a sport. Oh, <laughs> I don't, but hang on, why don't they have. We'd know, be in really good shape. Why don't they have like Olympics chess? I mean, chess is an important game, isn't it? Do they not? I don't know what they have. I don't know. They, I don't know if they have that. Um, but you're right, of course. Actually, if, if chess was an Olympic sport, would you have to have a Paralympic one as well? Because, I mean, in theory, as long as you can actually understand how to play chess, you know, you, it doesn't really matter if you've only got one hand. You can still move the pieces with one hand. Or if you've got, you know, if you're in a wheelchair, you can still sit at the table and play chess. That's a really good question. I think we should ask someone. But first, we've got to introduce one. I'm Victoria Mitzi. I'm a journalist and a podcaster and an inhabitant of the beautiful county of Devon. Having absconded and been in Cornwall this week, I've also enjoyed that. And I'm Ben Ando. I'm a former BBC correspondent who apparently has far too much time on his hands nowadays. <laughs> what, tiddly, sportive tiddlywinks? Absolutely. I have played a bit of chess. I like chess. Do you? Johnny Depp has won the right to sue his former partner, Amber Heard. At last! Johnny Depp's getting something back. Johnny Depp. Let's hear it for Johnny. So so Johnny Depp, as we all know, lost his lawsuit against Amber Heard last year, year, which in effect meant that the judge in England was saying that, yes, he was a wife beater. Now, what what he's wanted to do in America is he wants to be able to sue her for loss of earnings because he is claiming... In fact, he filed this suit originally back in 2019. Um, God, that was a long time ago. That was before COVID, it was before everything. Mm. It was even before you didn't let me finish. <laughs> so, was there such a time? So she wrote this article. In fact, this all started with this article. She wrote an article about surviving domestic abuse. And although she didn't name her ex-husband, he accused her of creating a hoax account for the article. And he then claimed that this piece had cost him um, a role in Disney's 
Pirates of the Caribbean reboot. And he claimed that since then he has had trouble getting work and he's become something of a Hollywood pariah. And not, not, not a pariah Carey, not a Mariah Carey. Um, so <laughs> she had suggested that the libel suit be thrown out and her lawyers had said that the conclusion in the UK should swing uh, any cases in her favour because they relate to domestic abuse allegations. Of course, we know what the judge decided in London. But yesterday, Fairfax County Chief Judge Penny Azkarate, hi, Karate, wrote, the court is not persuaded by Amber Heard's argument that Johnny Depp had a full and fair opportunity to, li opportunity to litigate the UK action. Defendant argued, and Johnny Depp argues, that she was in privity with the son. Privity? Oh, I've never heard that before. Privity. With the son, because they both had the same interest in the case. So, what? I mean, again, like all these things, it's a little bit nuanced, but um, what, what is being suggested here is that Johnny Depp's interest in the case must be so identical with the son's interest, such that the son's representation was also a representation of his legal rights. So, in other words, what they're saying is that um, he wasn't given, I suppose, a fair crap of the whip or a, a fair bitch slap of the face. Did you think that at the time? No, I didn't think it at all. And I'm, I'm actually, it doesn't actually surprise me this because as we know, America is kind of the litigation capital of the world. And there are very few judges in America who would ever say, oh, we don't think you should litigate. It does seem to be that literally anybody with deep enough pockets can go to court over anything and sue anyone in the United States. That's um, the legal... If this was the United States, I'd sue you. Exactly. Well, you can do. You can sue me. What would you sue me for? Um, uh, emotional damage? Mm. Being a bastard. <laughs> Stepping on the cracks in the pavement? <laughs> exactly, that kind of thing. Looking at you in a um, have-a-go way? But what I'd like to know oh, is... Oh. How much this costs? We talked about how much the other lot cost, didn't we? Mm, we don't. I don't know. And I, I Fifty. We don't know oh, yet. It's going to cost millions, but we don't know because the, the case is proceeding. And what yeah. saying he wins here, the right to sue, says the Daily Mirror that you love. Fifty million dollar libel case. Oh, 50 million. Okay. Well, I mean, the thing is, they say that's million. an that's, estimation. That, honestly, that's a number that some hack has just plucked out of the air. Nobody knows. Um, but it is the kind of Wonga that yeah, debt can yeah, afford. I mean, ballpark. But if, it, if the thing is, I mean, if you say 50 million, then it comes in at 53 million. You've always got really accurate. But if somebody said to you, here's three million pounds, but or you could have none, you'd say, no, I want the three million. There's a big difference between nothing and three million and not so much difference between 50 million and 53 million. But it's actually the same difference. If you see what Thank I'm, you. I think yeah, I told you this is a factual podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right. And this We've uh, analysed the data. Right, the matter in Virginia, the, the, the matter in Fairfax County is going... Are we still there? ...is expected to go to trial in April of 2022. So, I mean, oh, April 20... Godfathers. We were talking about the original action. Now we're talking about this one being in April 2022. So He must really hate her. <laughs> I think he must, but, but in essence, you know, his, his entire life now is just being dominated by this succession of tedious... I mean, that must be quite grueling court cases. I mean, nobody wants to be hauled before the courts all the time, but I guess... He's we, still quite handsome. 
Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, he's a rock. He's a movie star, of course. I don't like all the tinted pedo glasses. And no, stuff, I don't like really. the tinted pedo glasses. And the glasses. floppy hats. I don't, I don't <laughs> like the floppy grey. I don't like the floppy grey torn hat. I'm not mad on the tinted pedo glasses, but underneath <laughs> all, you can still you can see it's still a sort of like a a good looking, slightly kooky man. Phew, Ben. I was wondering if you were going to go for that look. Do you think their numbers match? I actually think he's a lot hotter than she is. Yeah, I don't really. Everyone was going on about how beautiful she is. Beautiful, but she's just a bit something, she's isn't a, she? She's a bit meh for me. I mean, she's all right. Meh. You know? She um, looks quite ambitious. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, she's. I mean, she's. Yes, she's. She is very aesthetically pleasing. But what she doesn't have for me is the je ne sais quoi that all the truly great beauties have. Yeah, and do you know that she doesn't look like you could have a cuddle with her? No, she's she's a bit bony, she's a bit vanilla, she's a bit bland. She looks like a big old stick insect who'd go, no, because she's like on all the arguments that you heard. She was like, no, I don't think you are like that. And you just kind of think, oh, fuck off. Yeah, she's kind of got one of those sort of whiny voices that could probably shatter glass. Mm. Do you know what the best thing about her is? Go on. Her name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that, that really is the gift that keeps on turning. It's turdacious. <laughs> Turtabulous. Anyway, thanks guys. And here's Nick Wallace with this. It's an absolute honour to be here. The trial itself is, is is something of a circus. I mean you've got not not, not obviously the within the courtroom, but outside it, you've got all the paps and uh, people trying to catch the shots of Johnny that they want and uh, Amber Heard. Um, and inside, they're utilising five courtrooms because the, the Royal Courts of Justice, as, as I'm sure you both know, virtually empty at the moment because of the COVID situation. So to uh, enforce social distancing and to take advantage of the fact they've got so much space, they've got the principal courtroom, which is Court 13, They've got uh, another courtroom just for lawyers, because I imagine that uh, all parties taking, you know, uh, giving evidence to come completely lawyered up with this. Uh, and then they've got a reporter's court and then two courts for members of the public, which I, ha- I haven't seen a single member of the public because the Royal Courts of Justice are so vast. All these courts are all over the place. I haven't seen anyone who's queuing up to get into the, the public courts because the reporter court is in a completely different building. So it's quite, it's quite, it's quite an interesting setup they've got going on. Have you seen Johnny? doing his entrances that we've all seen well no because we have to go in early to get our place in the reporter's room however when i made an application to the court on friday morning to get the transcripts uh, i went and sat on my own outside court 13 physically handing these applications to the various counsel wandering past and the judge's clerk and uh, so i saw mr depp stride past me i i was momentarily brushed by his charisma as he walked into court holding a coffee cup it, it was it was a little performance uh, he sort of yeah. was, was sipping his coffee cup he, he handed his coffee cup to his security and then sort of did a little bow to the woman who the usher who was holding the door open for him and and strode in so he was in character by the time he got to court yes i've noticed that they're quite willing to do the shots looking quite jolly i mean they they are seeming to be in character I mean, Johnny Depp's been famous since he was 21, and I think he lives his life in character. He is who he is. He's, he's. I mean, I would. I'm not in the same court, and that is a, a crucial issue. But he is comes across as an immensely charismatic person. He is clearly very intelligent. He chooses his words 
uh, although sometimes he's sort of slurring and drawling a little bit too much. He's 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 very very particular about what he says. He's very well read. He's obviously got great cultural appreciation, particular counter cultural appreciation, which he keeps trying to digress into at length, but gets cut short. Uh, and yeah, he's playing the part of a Hollywood star who has nothing to hide, being incredibly polite and attentive to both the barrister who is regularly accusing him of domestic violence and to the judge, which either is part of his natural manners or has been made aware that he needs to be incredibly attentive and polite whilst he is sitting in the witness box. Is this case being tried or being heard in front of a jury or is it just a judge who's going to make it? No, it's just a single judge, Mr Justice Nicholl. So in that regard, publishing everything that's happening is... um, and publishing the transcripts and evidence and all that sort of thing is 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 open season in a way. It's just extricating it from the court service, which which can be tricky at times. And it was my work on the post office trial that gave me a, a backgrounding not only in the live tweeting and the uh, the monetizing, I suppose, through through crowdfunding, uh, but also the methods by which you should try and get what you are not quite entitled to, but by convention should be allowed to see and get your hands on. How does it work? Because when tweeting started coming in for court reporters, that was when my court reporting, just my duties changed in what we do. So um, how does it actually... Oh, on. How, how, did you, how did your duties change? They don't want people to report from court so much. Mm-hmm. That was simply it, and I just started doing other stuff. Oh, I see. Oh, that's so I started doing reporting and reading at that time, and then I didn't go back to court reporting very much. So how does it actually work, the sort of tweet? I'm, I'm kind of intrigued how it works with the tweeting and whether you have to have a specific method to do it if you're just focusing on that media. I developed a technique which I used in the two post office trials, which was to link my laptop to my mobile phone's 4G signal. So uh, my phone became a Wi-Fi hotspot. And then I did the tweeting on an app called TweetDeck, which I think most people are aware of. It's a it's a really powerful app and a little bit quicker than refreshing your browser. It, it allows you to, it refreshes within the app a tiny fraction quicker. So you just bash out what you hear as you hear it, hit uh, publish and you, you have a two or three second lag which is infuriating because of course you're then losing you're, you're getting behind uh, and then you, you put in the next tweet and you, you become sort of pretty expert at uh, using the right shorthand that people can still understand but 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 at the same time allows you to type that tiny bit more quickly I mean I'm not a trained typist so it, I just go as hard as hard and as fast as I can and of course your legal obligation is to be contemporaneous, accurate and fair. So you don't have to be comprehensive and you don't have to publish everything verbatim. So long as you are accurate and fair in what you write, which is, I suppose, where your journalist training comes in, you are able to just channel what is being said in court and put it out there. But I always put a disclaimer at the top of every day's uh, live tweeting saying, look, what you are hearing is a summary and a paraphrase of what's being said. You are not having verbatim quotes unless I get lucky. And how do you find that tweeting has been on this particular trial? It was phenomenal because I, I, I wasn't required to tweet for five news. I was there to do a VT for, for five o'clock. But because I, I suppose I 
enjoy it and because i thought well i'm just going to be sitting here otherwise soaking it all up i might as well make myself useful and five news uh, is very active on social media and twitter so i thought well, this this will be potentially might grow some interest in in my report later on which we would then tweet out obviously after it had been broadcast uh, I, I just started bashing out the tweets and suddenly my mentions started flipping in a way that i have never seen i have got more followers in the last five days than i have over 12 years of being on Twitter. I've gone from 6,000 to something like 14,000 over the space of uh, five days. And, and it was flipping in a way that I couldn't quite believe. I thought, oh my goodness, I, I, I should have realized, of course, he's one of the most famous men in the world. And he has a loyal and devoted fan base. And uh, Me Too and issues of domestic violence are very, very considerably uh, you know, front and center in terms of the, the national debate um, and the international debate. And so all these Americans who were clearly for information about what was happening very very quickly told their friends that there was a british journalist in court live tweeting and the response the reaction was was just phenomenal to the extent that uh, at the end of the day i sort of because i didn't have any work wednesday to friday i sort of half jokingly tweeted oh maybe i should just turn up tomorrow and 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 continue doing the live tweets for fun and the avalanche of replies i got um begging me to do it made me think well yeah might as well i'm not doing anything else if they don't let me into court because i haven't got a, a channel 5 news uh, accreditation then i'm going to do some work sitting in a pret-a-manger in central london if i could find one that was open and then and then i realized that because i crowdfunded the um the post office story and i had a a, a tip jar essentially which could be utilized for any purpose i thought well if the people in America could just chuck me, you know, enough to buy a cup of coffee and my bus fare, then I'll, 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 you know, just do it at a modest loss. And once I had managed to wangle my way into court, I, I put a couple of links up to the crowdfunding page that I've got and uh, very quickly had paid for my entire day rate <laughs> to be there. So it was it was it was great. It was really gratifying. And so I just carried on doing it Thursday and Friday. And I, I've, I've got it. I'm confident that I've potentially got enough left to to at least do Monday next week uh, and, and maybe a bit more. Amazing. When I've been tweeting from court, certainly in criminal trials is a bit different, but certainly I did a tweet from a an appeal around a badger cull a few years ago, and I can't recall the exact circumstances, but I remember, of course, you know, first of all, you get the um, the animal rights, if you like, barrister setting out the case for the appeal and the appellants. And then, of course, you had the... Um, the barristers acting for the, the, the government on this and mm. setting out the case for having a badger cull. And I was tweeting about these and sort of saying, you know, you know, so-and-so barrister says, da 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 And I, I was getting sort of lots and lots of, this is brilliant, BBC, you know, from the animal rights people, when I was tweeting what the barrister on their behalf was saying was, this is great, BBC reporting what's going on in court, you know, this, these poor badgers, so-and-so. Then when I started tweeting what the other barrister was saying, who was saying what the government's position was, it just flipped and suddenly it was typical BBC bias, you know, outrageous <laughs> nonsense, not telling the truth, you know. And it was like, wow, you, you do understand, don't you, that both barristers get a chance to speak in this. And I just wondered if you, when you've been, say, um, tweeting, you know, what maybe uh, Johnny Depp's some representatives are saying, it's all sweetness and light. But if you're tweeting perhaps what, what Sasha, is it Sasha Wass is acting for... Um, the newspaper. I can't yeah, remember. Sasha, is, yeah. Sasha was cross-examining uh, Johnny Depp all week, basically. So she was putting it to him that he was a he was a, a wife beater, and he was he was denying it. And uh, well, I, I mean, I would I, I, 
I would hesitate to speculate, but there are a huge number of Johnny Depp fans following this, and mm. they are very, very well versed in the he said, she saids of all this, and they they are absolutely certain as to who is in the right and who is in the wrong here. Um, but I just have to say, I, again, with the disclaimer about being um, paraphrasing and summarising, I also say, look, I have a legal duty and a professional duty to be absolutely straight down the line on this i'm not and, and i get people in my dms because i have my dms open and i do a sort of at the end of the day i say look if you've got any questions about this trial that you want me to answer just dm me and i'll do my best to do it in in, in the evening i i, I don't <laughs> i don't know whether i'm gonna when it's when it flips and amber heard starts giving evidence or, or being cross-examined that i'm suddenly going to have people turn on me <laughs> which is I, a, I, a, an interesting thought <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, Johnny Depp, as you said, has got, you know, a large sort of, you know, there'll be lots of fanboys and girls who are reading what you're saying. And then at the moment, as you as maybe it's they can see that it's him getting to speak and you're you are tweeting, you know, give and take what he is saying as best you can. And they're understanding that when they start hearing from her side, I wonder if, it, if it, there will be some pushback and you will find people not quite able to make the distinction between you as a correspondent in court simply um, reflecting what's going on. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, that's what I, I mean. That kind of was an education for me as to how people don't really necessarily understand what they are reading um, because they don't look at the entire threads. And I suspect there'll be lots of people just dipping in who see yeah. a couple of tweets and start yeah. firing, you know, get that social media anger going. <laughs> but it's good stuff. <laughs> but, it's an interesting website, Twitter. I mean, I don't, I don't think if I w was, wasn't a journalist, I would be. I mean, it, because it does bring out the worst in people, but it is such a wonderful platform for so many different aspects of a lot of people's work, actually. You know, it's been a genuine education being on that particular site that you just, I suppose, develop techniques to filter out the huge amounts of abuse that flies around towards other people. And I, and I suppose, I suppose, I mean, I, I suppose I've got quite a thick, thick hide as a journalist now. And if it's, it's heartening to get lovely tweets uh, from people. And if you're going to accept that, that you are affected by lovely tweets from people, then you've got to roll with the punches when they come. I wanted to ask about the details of the case. And um, Amber Heard is going to start giving evidence. Amber Heard's on Friday. So we're going to hear from Winona Ryder and Vanessa Paradis for Johnny Depp this week during which they're expected to say uh, he never laid a finger on us, Gov. OK. And what Depp is claiming is that Heard has, is setting him up as a part of a hoax. Yes, I, I don't really understand exactly. Could that. you explain this, this is, more about it? Yeah, well, this is Sasha Watts' line of attack. She has two main prongs of attack. The first is that uh, Johnny Depp has taken so many drugs over the course of his adult life that he blacks out but before he blacks out he gets very angry and then he does things that he can't remember whilst he is blacked out and and her insinuations is that this is when he commits the acts of violence that he says that he didn't do and the other prong of the attack is uh, that, that 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 getting johnny depp to potentially sound rather ridiculous with the idea that from even before she met him, he was she was planning to uh, sort of ingratiate herself with him, spend a number of years with him, marry him, and then claim that he was uh, an abusive husband in order to secure her position and uh, I mean the disdain in Sasha Wasp when she says and you call this all part of the hoax do you and and as he politely says yes ma'am 
you know, <laughs> you can't speculate on what view the judge will take of that. And it may well be that Ms. Heard was planning to, uh, you know, become the sort of person that Johnny Depp would want to marry and then take him to the cleaners afterwards. But it, it, it's definitely part of uh, NGN's case that suggesting this is implausible. Okay, that was good. I mean, it was great to talk to Mick. He had a lot of insight in the case, of course, obviously attending every day. And, and he loved your stories about badger culling. <laughs> yeah. I, I... Very good. He was like, I'm in the middle of the biggest libel trial in the world. And you were like, anyway, when I was in court. Yeah, I, 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 could, I could actually, I think I could actually hear the slight sort of moist movement as his eyes were rolling. <laughs> it's not cardio, Nick. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> Okay, well, after that, it was July 2020, rewind one month, and um, one of our first chattos with the king of crime on telly in the UK, Mark Williams Thomas, we contacted him initially. Actually, he was banging on our door, let's face it, to come on the podcast. About. (laughs) He um, battering rammed in my back door to come on, come on my podcast <laughs> it was because they'd found a new suspect hadn't they, they Christian had, yes. Bruckner but before he was called Christian B yes wasn't he was. he was called Christian B and that was like a member of Kraftwerk just a, just a little he was in fact in Kraftwerk he's a pedo and he's no king his involvement in the Madeleine McCann case. I mean, it was basically so big because the crime's so big and they hadn't had anything for a long time. So he spoke to us about that. But I just thought we'd take that angle a bit further now and then listen to a bit of background on the case with Mark in a moment. Um, But what we've got now, as of August 2021, now September. Oh, very good. Hopes that Madeleine McCann suspect will crack and provide a breakthrough in tough new German jail. Detectives investigating the disappearance of Madeleine McCann hope their prime suspect will crack after being moved to a prison dubbed Germany's Alcatraz, it's being claimed. Convicted paedophile Christian Bruckner is said to have already been complaining about life in solitary at Oldenburg Prison near Bremen. It's claimed the police working to solve the case want the 44-year-old kept in isolation for as long as possible. According to the New Zealand Herald, random, Bruckner, who German investigators believe murdered Maddie, although Mark will point out in a minute that nobody called her Maddie, in 2007 is in solitary confinement in Oldenburg Prison where he's begging to be moved to a different cell. Madeline disappeared age three from her family's rented apartment in Praia de Luz, Portugal, as they just said, in 2007. And a source, according to the Mirror, told The Sun, it gets it gets more complex, detectives think this move will turn the screw on Bruckner and really put him under pressure. Cops remain convinced he is linked to the Maddie case and are confident he'll eventually trip himself up and say something which will be important to the investigation. Mark Williams-Thomas goes on in just a moment to to touch on that topic but also to elaborate on his own suspicions of the case go on ben i think the most exciting thing about this latest development for me is the fact that they called this prison oldenburg near bremen germany's alcatraz but given you know alcatraz is uh, on an island just outside um 
San Francisco. And I've been there. It's a really exciting visit. If you're ever in San Francisco. I've been there too. Well, then you will know the same as I. I'm surprised they didn't keep you there. You can. I would strongly recommend a visit to Alcatraz. But given With a that, butterfly up your bottom. But given that the United <laughs> States is, is not nearly as old as Germany, I strongly suspect that what they probably should be saying is that Alcatraz is the United States' Oldenburg. But I suppose Oldenburg doesn't have quite the same ring as Alcatraz, does it? Oldenburg doesn't sound too nice and though. What would be the British prison that you'd say? If you were saying it's Germany's uh-uh and using a British prison's example, we'd say, Fernfoot Scrubs? <laughs> would you? Mm. What, is the, what is the toughest prison in, in, in England, Britain? I don't really know because um, reading that... Isn't Dennis it? Nielsen. You know my memory's great. <laughs> reading about that, is, there are some really random out-of-the-way prisons which are fucking hideous. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's um, full Suffolk, isn't there? That's sort of... You know, yes, that he didn't like the, like it there, but it just sounded absolutely hideous. I don't think Scrubs, as uh, someone who used to live near there, I did some personal training down um, the back of Wormwood Scrubs. It was kind of an area which we used. It was all a bit grim, really. Well, you did high-impact training around the back of Wormwood Scrubs. I wonder if Christian Bruckner is going to crack. Mark Williams Thomas isn't that keen on that idea. Christian Bruner's crack. But I think, can I just say about Mark Williams Thomas? I mean, Madeline headlines are going to keep cropping up, aren't they? Yes. You know, they found a hanky and so on and so forth. But I think Mark Williams Thomas is just great in his own right. I love him. <laughs> he knows that. I kept on saying that I loved him and he'd just say nothing. I love Like he'd sort him. of I look at me. I but he's such a like, he's such a sort of self, like you wind him up and watch him go. He's yeah. like you like that. Oh. You two are giants. We're Duracell bunnies. <laughs> you can be that if you want to. But I just think he's quite like larger than life. And he's very sort of certain and determined. But at the same time, like, he he kept on saying that he would always base stuff on facts. But I just found it, because I named that episode um, in the blink of an eye, the one where the clip's taken from, because you coined that, Ben, that, you, you know, he was saying he was quite emotionally withdrawn about the way that he described what he thought had happened to Madeleine McCann. He didn't think she'd been kidnapped and taken from that room. And the way in which he said that was left us both kind of spine chilled, but he stayed factual. He stayed kind of composed and just went on to talk about um, Jerry and Kate and all the, that, that forms a part of the clip as well, that yeah. um, the, the hate stuff. You know, he, he has this thing that he's quite caring as well. Mm-hmm. Slightly detached, but also caring. He's quite measured, yeah. but he does really help offer to help victims in crimes that, and he's constantly picking up new crimes. Um, I've been listening a bit to his podcast. He does side with the the victims and their families and try to help them. So often something comes out of that. It's the investigator I'm thinking of. I think that's yes, the name that's of his podcast. Of, yeah. mm. um, so there you have it. I love him. <laughs> Not as much as I love you. Oh, that's okay. You can love too. Love two giants. Yeah. Can I can I talk a bit about this whole business of John Carlo Amaral's latest allegations? Further into the article, John Carlo Amaral has been making new allegations about Kate. And the other side of the clip, you've got something else to add, haven't you, Ben? I have. Something very exciting that um, that I think people <laughs> should know. I wouldn't go that. Anyway, here's Mark. 
the reality is, I mean, I did a big review in 2009 of Madeline's disappearance. Whilst Jerry and Kate made on that night a fatal error, they should never have left Madeline in the apartment. And I've been very outspoken about that. But the reality is that they did, and they have to live with that now for the rest of their life. There is not a shred of evidence that links Jerry and Kate to anything suspicious in relation to Madeline at all. My firm belief is that Madeline, on that evening, went looking for mum and dad, Jerry and Kate. We should know that she worked on that morning. She'd spoken to Jerry and Kate, her mum and dad, and said to her, where were you last night? Because we woke up and the twids woke up. And they said, well, we were only in the, the, the tapas bar across the swimming pool. So I believe that evening she woke up, she knew where her mum and dad was. And in order to go and see them, she had to walk out of the apartment onto the to the public road and then back into the apartment again or the complex again to go and see them. I believe at that point, having come out of the apartment was when she was abducted. And one of those questions that's already always raised is, well, hang on a minute. What is the likelihood of being abducted from the point of walking out of the back of the apartment and then onto the main road and down into the complex? Well, if you compare that in relation to other stranger abductions, Sarah Payne was out with her parents, walked through a fence, literally seconds away from her, her parents, and she was abducted by Roy Whiting. Gone. Opportunistic, predatory paedophile. And then you have Jeanette Tate, and Jeanette Tate was out cycling with her friends. She, she went a slight distance ahead of her friends, and by the time her friends came over the top of the hill, looked down, Jeanette's bike was on the ground and Jeanette had gone. Matter of seconds, minutes, disappeared and most probably uh, murdered by Robert Black. When so, was that? That sounds familiar. What year was that? I think it's seven. I'm guessing. I think it's 78 or something yes, like that. Yes, it was a long while ago. Long yeah, 78 time. rings a bell with me. I think 78 as well. That's right. So, so opportunistic paedophiles exist, and that's what I believe happened in relation to Madeline. So when someone's suggesting, well, what's the chances of that? Well, it happened with Sarah Payne, and it happened with Jeanette Tate. So those evidence is there, and we also know that the apartment was insecure. So the back door of the apartment was insecure, so she could have opened the apartment and walked out. And I think that that is what's happened. Do I believe that someone's broken into that apartment and abducted her? I think that's highly, highly unlikely. Burglars do not abduct children. My goodness, it's um, it's really chilling, isn't it? Yeah, the idea of just a little three-year-old girl just stepping out of an apartment, as you said, being snatched, and that's it, gone, in, in the blink of an eye is something that just fills so many of us with absolute horror. That's the core of this story, in my view. And it's a story I think we all associate with, or, or nearly all of us. You know, many of us, either as parents or as children, have been abroad and been in situations where either as parents or children uh, fall asleep in the buggy, or as, or as children, we're the ones where our parents have been out, you know, partying or celebrating. Uh, and a lot of the time, of course, it's, you know, the luck of uh, of individuals feeling to themselves, well, you know, it hasn't, it, it could have been me. Now, that doesn't apply to everybody because I can tell you when I went on holiday with my children, I would never have left them in, a, in an apartment like they are. But there are people that do that. 
And I remember my own parents saying that um, they were they were not as far away. There's the difference. You know, they would be where they could possibly see our beds, but they did it. And I think everyone's got a view. This is the other thing. Uh, there are lots and lots of other crimes that I've covered over the years, and some attract a lot of attention, others not much. But it's one of the few cases where everyone has a view. I mean, when I first when it first happened, I couldn't go anywhere where somebody wouldn't say to me, oh, what happened? I mean, I remember we had a, I think it was the first investigator we were making and this new researcher was on board and the cameraman said to me, he said, Mark, he said, um, I can't remember the lady's name and said, look, she wants to talk to you about, she's been asking me if she can ask you questions about Madeline. And, um, and I said, yeah, yeah, just, I told her, yeah, Mark's very relaxed, he'll, he'll talk to you. Um, and she was very nervous about asking those questions. And you think to yourself, do you know what? The amount of times I've been asked questions. I mean, I went to a dinner party. Not that I do many dinner parties, but if I went to a dinner party around that time, there was one subject matter that was always discussed. It was everybody wanted to know. And even now, you know, if people, people talk to you now and say, well, just tell me, what, why do you think this? What's that? And I have to say, you know, I, I'm very clear in terms of, my theory around it my theory is around evidence so when i come up with a theory it's based on evidence rather than opinion whereas of course there's an incredible amount of people who've got an opinion out there you know someone behaved in a certain way so so one of the things that these anti people have got is that well Jerry and Kate must have been responsible because of their behaviour afterwards. You know, they, they, they washed the cuddle cat, they played tennis, they went out for a run, they did this and they did that. And I can tell you that when you are the victim of trauma, when you are the victim of something like that, your behaviour is erratic. Your behaviour, there's no common thread that runs through how to behave we all behave differently. And it's not just in relation to this. You know, in, in each of your lives, Ben, Victoria, you will have critical moments in your life where your behaviour would be different than perhaps it would be in another environment. Ben and I have been talking about Kate and Jerry McCann. How have you felt about them all along in the investigation? So Jerry and Kate, I... Uh, worked well I saw them obviously a lot whilst I was over there in Pride de Luge and I've seen them a lot since I I've not uh, spoken directly to them I just have to think about that again I can't remember if I did or not didn't but uh, I certainly uh, I've spoken to Kate in terms of when she was stood behind me on one occasion when I was doing a broadcast and she said to me please don't refer to her as being Maddie she won't know her name it's Madeline so that's obviously, you know, and I've heard that said by other people before when their children have gone missing. They have been on the end of vitriolic trolls, vile individuals. So much so that actually last night I found a or was sent a Facebook group who were talking. There was a number of people in this Facebook group who is a site which is basically against the McCanns, saying the McCanns are responsible. And they were discussing a number of these people about raising funds in order to provide legal assistance through some kind of uh, money-raising scheme for the suspect in jail. I mean, that, that just shows you the mentality of these people. Uh, it is horrible. It is sad. You know, as much as Jerry and Kate, I get in incredible grief. I mean, whenever I talk about Madeline's case, my 
Twitter usage goes up, my emails go up, my everybody starts, you know, those people in that group start slagging me off and having a go at me. Mark, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And I do hope that these bits of evidence that are coming to light um, will result in some closure for Jerry and Kate McCann. Yeah, I think we all we all hope, don't we, that finally Madeline's case is solved because that family have had to live in torment, not just in relation to what's happened to them, but, but some of the horrible trolls that they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. They made mistakes, but they've had to live with that. And there's nothing greater than living with the, the loss of your own daughter. Um, also, because I asked our listeners for questions, can they also vote with their feet about um, what they'd like you to talk about when you come and join us again? Yeah, I'll come back again and um, you get some questions or what they want to talk about. And I'm pretty open. I'll talk about anything, really. Isn't he smashing? And he will tell us anything. He's a very open guy. So I think it's time, everyone, to get him back on, don't you? I, yeah, I mean, the great thing about talking to Mark is, as you say, he you, you ask him a question, he just gives you a straight answer as best he can. And he's obviously got a wealth of knowledge about the case. He's talked to a lot of the key figures involved in it. And he's obviously got an excellent memory as well. So he, he will remember stuff and put different things together to sort of, you know, give you insights that perhaps you wouldn't go elsewhere, which is fantastic. There's one other aspect of this story, which is that um, one of the... Um, characters who has emerged from this whole affair with perhaps less than glowing uh, reputation is the original um, chief investigator, uh, Goncalo Amaral, um, who's written books and done all sorts of things. And oh, is he the one who called Jerry and Kate our Guidos? Yeah, well, he yeah, that's right. When they, he originally sort of like declared them to have our Guido status back in the uh, original investigation, so. Now, I mean, he's written books, and he's uh, he's clearly somebody who likes a the sound of his own voice and b publicity. So last week he's made fresh allegations and slurs against Kate and Jerry. Um, he falsely accused them of being the main culprits in their daughter's disappearance. His comments aren't helping, and the the problem was his team, the Portuguese team, Don Carlo Amaral's team, discounted Christian Brutner years ago. Um, and they think this German investigation is kind of a bit of a wild goose chase. And yet the German teams have repeatedly pointed to mistakes made by Goncalo Amaral and his original team and their original investigation. This means effectively that relations between investigators in Germany and in Portugal have reached a new low. And I think irrespective of what you think of Kate and Jerry, irrespective of what you think of actually happened to Madeleine McCann, irrespective of how realistic a line of inquiry Christian Bruckner is, when you have investigating teams like this squabbling virtually in public, A, I think it's, it looks very poor, and B, it does make you wonder if you know the best work is being done to actually solve this awful case, which has been something that's kind of cast its shadow now since 2007 when she disappeared, which is what, 14 years now, over a decade. And you just think, well, come on, guys. You just want to go bang their heads together and say, look, cooperate. Mm. See what you can find out. If moving Christian Bruckner to this harsh, high-security prison means that he finally decides he wants to sing like a canary, then that's all good. I think it's because he's a tittle-tattler, but how long they're going to wait for him to 
tittle his tattle. I don't know. <laughs> the tattle of his tittle. You know, because they, they got some stuff, didn't they, from him talking to a fellow in Yeah, there. I mean, what we know about him, I mean, A, he was never even a question at the time of Madeleine McCann's disappearance. He wasn't at his home when the police called, although he was living in the Algarve, not far from the resort where the McCann's were staying. He returned to Germany soon after and was later found to have used a mobile phone uh, very close in sort of like, you know, you know the, the cell site recognition where you can place a mobile phone. Um, his mobile phone was placed at a mast very, very close to where the, the McCann's were staying, the holiday apartment where they were staying. Um, Prior to Lush, wasn't it? So, um, mm. so yeah, I mean, there are clearly reasons why he should have been questioned at the time. And it's, it's manifestly clear to, to any of us that the Portuguese police, in not even bothering to follow up, they bungled it. It's a similar mistake, actually, to the, the Met police made when they, they visited um, an apartment thought to be used by Le uh, Levi Belfield several times in the wake of um, Millie Dowler's disappearance. But because he wasn't in or didn't answer the door, they didn't do any more than that. And Oh, that kind of stuff gets me so much. Absolutely. You know, and it's also like... Um, Oh, it was Libby. Do you remember that schoolgirl that, um, no, university student who got killed by the Polish butcher? Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I remember who you were talking about. It wasn't Libby Squire, was it? Was it Libby yes. Squire? Squires. Yeah. Well done. Libby Squire. Yeah. Um, yes, 21 year old. That's right, because she and tried you to just get think... into the nightclub, hadn't she? Yes, and she, if she would have got in that nightclub, if she would have made it into her door, if she hadn't dropped her keys. Yeah. And then she's dead. You know, yeah, numerous yeah. occasions that we, we kind of follow these trails, a succession of stupid things that go wrong. Yeah. Where do you think it's going to go, Ben? I, I think re realistically now, I think the breakthrough has to be around Christian Brugner. Um, what we know is enough to make him certainly a suspect, whether you'd say he was the prime suspect. I, I, I don't really think, I really don't think it was Peyton Joe. I just don't. Um, no. I do think that... Christian Buchner is, is somebody who is very much in the frame, uh, convicted paedophile, known to be in that area, left in what seems to be a hurry. Yeah, I, I, it would be nice for more than anything, it would be probably nice for, for Madeleine McCann's you know, siblings, her parents, to get some kind of truth here. And maybe if Christian Buchner does confess, he might then be able to say what happened to her body and where it is. And there might be some, then perhaps the family could have some kind of a burial or funeral um, and that would give them some kind of emotional closure, I, I, I guess mm. is the way to put it. But I think mm. I think that's quite a long way away at the moment. Yeah. Can you hear my doorbell going bonkers? That's <laughs> not just a euphemism. It's lovely to have you again, and we'll be back bi-weekly again. And also, how are you spending your summer, guys? I love you so much, and um, I have a, a lot of random interaction with many different ones of you, so tell me how you're spending your summer, because then I can get a chance to bore you with my recent antics and what else I might do at the end. now summer's kind of coming to a close. Absolutely. How are you spending your summer, Ben? I've had lots of fun. Um, in fact, I went on a fantastic uh, rail tour yesterday. I went up to, from Birmingham, I went up to the Settlin Carlisle line, which is one of the most scenic ones uh, in the country, as many people will know. Then uh, looped around to Carlisle and then back down south. It was a fantastic day out with a couple of pals of mine. And I've been away to the West Country. In fact, I wasn't a million miles away from you. I went down to see, I went with my youngest daughter down to see my mother in Dorset. And then we went across to Somerset to visit her boyfriend's parents. I met the boyfriend's parents for the first time. That was good. 
How was that? It was okay, actually. Yeah, it was nice. Was, was it competitive? They're very nice. I said, I said, I like the pair, and she better not shit can Charlie's ass anytime soon. <laughs> I didn't realise you were this in this direction. When did you do that? That was uh, last week. Goodness, you're such a sly operator. He's a smooth operator. I, I, I intentionally didn't tell you because I thought, oh, God, you just pester me to go and visit you. Did you really? No, of course not. I just had a full... Please don't come and visit me. Anyway, you were away. Weren't you in Cornwall? Yeah. Running as far away from you as possible. There you go, then. Perfect timing. But that's it for another week. Uh, thanks for all your interactions. Uh, we've all been a bit summer holiday but we wanted to put this out. Ben's yawning. We wanted to put this out so you had something to warm your cockles. Oh, well, warm your cockles. Bye-bye, everybody. You didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Bye. Bye.